welcome everyone to another After Hours live stream of the Mike Seibert Radio Podcast, powered by Poddex. I am your host. Uh, hope you are all safe and well. And that's that's really what I want to start with. You know, uh, folks that might be listening from other parts of the country, other parts of the world. Uh, the West Coast has been uh, kind of besieged by uh, wildfire smoke. Uh, you know, we we've talked about the West Coast wildfires over the last couple of weeks, sometimes in in uh, less reverent fashions uh, than the others, especially down in uh, California. And basically what's happened with with prevailing winds and and um, a lot of these wildfires being out of control, the smoke has finally made it up to uh, the Pacific Northwest, uh, uh, you know, here in Washington, here in Seattle. Uh, but mostly it's it's parts of Oregon that have been hit the hardest. So um, I did want to share a graphic with you before um, uh, before we got too terribly far, just to kind of give you a, a perspective of how nasty our air quality actually is. This is. Washington's Air Monitoring Network. And as you can see, it's filled with dark purple bubbles. And if you look at the key on the left-hand side of your screen, it'll say that it's in the hazardous <laughs> category, um, including where I'm broadcasting from uh, right now. It's like in, in the um, low 300s, around uh, 320. But if you look at the scale, it goes from green being good um, all the way up the scale to uh, hazardous. Uh, throughout the weekend, it was uh, unhealthy to very unhealthy. But I, I remember looking at the TV news on uh, Sunday, yesterday, where they had uh, uh, three graphics. I, and it was it was kind of in this type of scale, but it was kind of like in a semicircle kind of tachometer uh, type format where it would show Seattle. It would be, um, you know, kind of like very unhealthy. It would show San Francisco would be a little less very unhealthy. But then in the Portland area, it would be it was it was beyond the 500 at the top of the hazardous scale. So basically the. Uh, the meter, the, the, the pointer was all the way at the bottom and it was, uh, the air quality was so bad that it was actually, uh, too hazardous to measure. So, um, incredibly poor air quality and basically, uh, we're just kind of trying to stay inside, trying to, uh, minimize travel on Saturday. I was working in a contained sealed studio and I could smell smoke uh, coming through the ventilation system that just to kind of give a perspective of, of how nasty it is. I went outside Sunday morning and where I work is directly across from Seattle Center and the smoke was so thick that you couldn't even see the base of the space needle uh, from outside the deck. Now, a couple factors were in that it was basically, it was smoke, obviously, uh, but also like the uh, Marine layer had come in off of the ocean. So I, as I had posted, 
I, I said it basically kind of smelled like beach campfire in that like you know it has kind of like that that damp humidity that you get uh with a uh, with beach ocean air maybe a tinge of salt to it but then also you get very much the the uh burnt wood smell um that you get now i uh i i happened to uh talk to apollo over the weekend and and she had told me it's like man I wish it smelled like the beach because down here in Portland, it just smells like an ashtray. So, um, so the, the only thing I could say is, you know, obviously, um, you know, stay safe, uh, try to, uh, minimize your travel. You know, I see people driving around needlessly and it's like, you're, you're just gonna, uh, fill up your air filter, you know, try not to open the doors. And, and again, just, just try to be safe as possible until, uh, some of this stuff dissipates. Now, I'm not sure about other parts of the West Coast, but, here in Seattle, we were really hoping for a storm system to come in and kind of clean some of the air, give us uh, some some much needed rain. And we had just heard earlier this afternoon that the uh, the system that came in is weaker than the meteorologists had um, had anticipated. So. Basically, what that means is the conditions that we have now, uh, we're going to be stuck with, uh, throughout the week. So that's, um, that's unfortunate. <laughs> but, um, I, uh, I, I just wanted to start with that because, you know, I, I've had a couple folks reach out to me, you know, uh, seeing the pictures that I've been posting my goofy selfies out on, out on the, the deck at work. And yeah, no, it, it sucks. Um, I, in fact, I can already feel that like, you know, my, my throat's just like a little scratchy, but it, it's, it's nothing nearly as bad as, uh, as folks in Oregon and, uh, the Portland area. So, so feel bad for those folks, um, up here in Seattle, we're less not okay. <laughs> because I mean, you know, like, uh, you saw that graphic earlier, it's, we're still in, hazardous uh which is a step above very unhealthy so uh just to just to kind of give you a perspective um about that i do still have a, a bunch of topics um including some new toys uh inspired by transformers the movie and since it is the day before my birthday um i thought it would be appropriate to commemorate that by talking at least a little bit about uh about my favorite movie but first i do want to start off with the pod decks question of the night and i want to remind you that mike cybert radio is powered by pod decks and when you go to poddex.com and use my discount code msrp10 that's for mike cybert radio podcast uh, 10 you'll receive 10% off your first order. Now, um, tonight's question comes from the, oh, see, now I don't have the virtual background. This actually comes up a little better. This is from the Poddex interview deck. The interview deck contains uh, 50 unique conversation starting questions to help you take your podcast interviews to the next level and keep your audience entertained. So I am going to open up the deck of cards here. I am going to try again to uh, give it a shuffle here yeah, shuffling cards right here on uh, on live radio I love it 
that one wasn't as good. Okay, so tonight uh, I'm going to cut the deck. I'm going to put these over here. Tonight's uh, pod deck's question of the night is, what is your most treasured possession? So that is tonight's uh, pod deck's question of the night. Sound off in the comments below and be part of the show. But I want to start with uh, toys. <laughs> I uh I recently got a got a shipment in the mail, mail call. You know, I I should get like a uh sound effect or something. Uh it's like, "Hey, it's time for the mail call." I don't know. Anyway, I got a um a box from Sure Thing Toys. And the reason why I want to I I brought the whole package uh for us to check out is I, I've been seeing a lot of toy collectors having difficulties with um, shipping from Amazon and even like some of the other uh, retailers where boxes are getting smashed, uh, product is getting damaged, and it's it's become a huge problem. So I wanted to give a huge shout out to uh, Sure Thing Toys. They sent me this uh, very handsome, taped up, very well taped up box. Um, and let's see what's inside. We've got some bubble wrap. We've got some air pockets. And within all of that, carbonized Boba Fett. He's, he's very shiny. He's very green. He's got a super cool uh, 40th anniversary Empire Strikes Back emblem on him. I, I have taken him out. I have messed with him. I'm not going to do so here because I would have to figure out how to pop the top and get him out of the card and things like that. But one of the the, the reasons why I wanted to uh, talk about this guy rather than just toss him on my shelf and and um, and forget about him is I I I've pre I've previously been what I would consider to be a quote unquote box collector. And what, what that means in kind of the toy collecting community is that like you buy, uh, you buy action figures and you never open them. So I had a whole bunch of old star Wars figures that I never opened a whole bunch of other stuff that I never opened because I've always, um, enjoyed packaging. I still do. Um, a lot of the stuff that I collect is based upon the packaging. Now, what I've liked about like the recent offerings from um, Hasbro is that while this guy is he's he's in a very nice, handsome box with a square bottom that I could just set over here and display him and it's fine. But also I can just pop the tape, take him out of the box and then put him back in his plastic bubble and it's fine. But yeah, I mean, I want to use this as kind of like a springboard to follow up on a conversation we were having a few weeks ago with regards to having a toy collection that might be unruly or out of control. And I, I would definitely say that my collection kind of um, fits that because, you know, I've, I've got this, uh, this brand new uh, sparkly, shiny uh, Boba Fett, 
but I've also talked about the G.I. Joe Snake Eyes figure I got recently, um, which incidentally, I'm going to open up Deluxe Snake Eyes tomorrow. Uh, I, I figured that was appropriate for my birthday. He's been sitting in the the original case that I got from Hasbro Pulse like, I don't know, uh, three, four weeks ago. I just haven't had time, but I, I thought that would be an appropriate uh, uh, birthday present. But to myself. Anyway, um, and as well as all of the uh, Transformers that I have, what I've noticed is that my collection is very unfocused. And I think having a focused collection kind of helps keep things organized and keep things ready to go. I've talked about the perspective of wanting more, being more important than having. Um, so that's something I'm still kind of trying to reinvent as I kind of try to focus, uh, uh, my collection down, but what I have found, so like, you know, I, I, I've gone to my buddy, Aaron from, uh, Autopod Decepticast for, uh, advice because, you know, we're the same age. He has what I would consider to be a fairly extensive collection. And I've gone to him and said, okay, I need some advice because my collection is getting out of control and I'm causing problems for myself as well as domestically. And, you know, he, he gave me some really good advice. But the thing that I realized in getting that advice is that, wait a sec, his collection is focused primarily on uh, masterpiece scale transformers, whether they be um, Hasbro or a third party. Uh, but they're, but they're um, one of the greatest bits of advice that he gave me is figure out where things go in the collection rather than, you know, it kind of like, you know, um, I'm phrasing it weirdly, but basically, you know, like the dog chasing its own tail type of thing. And I, I think I've, I think I've done a lot of that where I've been chasing items and not really knowing where they go. So, um, where, whereas other collectors, I think they, know what they want they know what the gaps are whereas mine is is driven by items but anyhow boba fett super cool and and again shout out to sure thing toys for packaging it in such a way that um again he he was he was minty fresh when i got him out of the box so um let's talk a little tv now a handful of weeks ago we talked about not knowing exactly what's going on with the current TV season. You know, it's usually around this time of year. In fact, actually, uh, we would be um, almost a month late with what our usual fall TV preview uh, with myself and Dave. I, I talked to Dave, uh, I, I don't know, maybe uh, almost a month ago, and we decided that there really wasn't enough to talk about you know, with with regards to what's coming up in the new TV season. So we didn't bother to do a a right and proper fall TV preview episode. But I um, Lucky and I were watching TV the other night and we saw a commercial for something. I don't remember what it was, but but she asked me, you know, a, a very straightforward question. She's like, so, hey, man, are we going to have TV this season? Because I think with the COVID and uh, production delays, 
most everything has been had been shut down for several months. Now production has resumed on a number of TV shows and movies and 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 things of that nature. But um, while in the early stages of quarantine, folks were discovering uh, things on streaming TV, you know, revisiting old classics, discovering new stuff, uh, giving things uh, giving things a try. Um, I, I, I know that that's what we've been doing. You know, we've, uh, we've gone through a, a handful of shows that we either didn't take the opportunity or quite frankly, time, uh, to, uh, to go through. So, but there was that, that feeling that the well is going to go dry, uh, sooner than later. And, you know, it was fine during the summer because you've got summer programming, but, you know, uh, holy moly finally ended. They finally had their kind of long delayed uh, finale episode. And, you know, all of those kind of summer filler shows are, you know, are, are ending or petering out. And, you know, you're kind of left with the question of what's going to happen in the fall. So based on, um, based on Lucky's question, I did a little bit of research. I, I discovered that not only are there, uh, quite a bit of shows actually, um, actually premiering, uh, a lot of animation, a lot of new shows. And, and really that's the thing. If you like news, cartoons and game shows, um, I, I, I think you'll be okay. If you're looking for scripted dramas, that's going to be a little thin. So like, I'm, I'm going to run through this list. Uh, very quickly, uh, this is uh, this f- is from a website called TV Insider uh, Fall 2020 TV Schedule, your full list of network premiere dates. So it has it broken down by date. I'm sorry, it has it broken down by day. Um, starting with Sunday, you got 60 minutes on CBS. On Fox, you have all of their animated programming starting on September 27th, including uh, The Simpsons, Bob Burgers, and Family Guy, and more. And then later on in October, ABC is going to roll out its uh, new slate of game shows, uh, including um, America's Funniest Home Videos, Supermarket Sweep, a revival of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, and Card Sharks Monday. Uh, American Ninja Warrior has already started on NBC. Uh, Dancing with the Stars uh, just started tonight on ABC. And it's not until uh, September 21st that we get our first scripted show that is from Fox on September 21st. Something called Filthy Rich is premiering. Um, apparently, it's a show that was... Um, that was going to be a mid-season replacement for last year, but then um, got put on the shelf. And then once, you know, COVID happened, they're like, hey, we've got content that's already made. Let's pull this off the shelf and use it. And and you're going to see um, a bunch of this as we go. Uh, the Voice is coming back uh, to Mondays on um, October 19th on NBC. Uh, Tuesday. Uh, they are reviving the weakest link. Uh, uh, those of you from the nineties might remember that, but, uh, Jane Lynch is going to host and I'm kind of excited about that. I like her. Um, oh, let's see. Uh, Fox has a new science fiction show called next. I think it has to do with time travel or something like that, but that's, again, that's another one of those shows that was kind of sitting on the shelf 
that they've decided to dust off now that they need um, uh, new content. Uh, the Bachelorette is returning with a new season, um, as well as The Voice. Uh, you get a new season of This Is Us that has been um, announced for November 10th. So not anytime soon, but uh, but they've at least announced it. So that tells me that they had enough in the can prior to the COVID shutdown to at least get uh, episodes out there. But again, it's it, it's going to be. Again, reality TV competitions, game shows. Uh, you got the Mass Singer returning on Wednesday, and then something called "I Can See Your Voice." And I forgot uh, to research this before um, uh, before I went live here. When I see something called "I Can See Your Voice," <laughs> um, I can't tell if it is a uh, satire parody of. American Idol, The Voice, or singing competitions, but um, as near as I can tell, just looking at uh, some very uh, brief uh, thumbnail uh, uh, teaser images, it looks like it's something that they're taking very seriously. So that's that's kind of whatever. Uh, that's going to be on Fox on Wednesday, premiering September 23rd, right after The Masked Singer. I am very excited that The Amazing Race is coming back on uh, Wednesday, October 14th. They I that that was a show that I was very concerned was going to have uh, production delays uh, due to COVID. I know that uh, the last season of Survivor was basically uh, canceled for or postponed for uh, all intents and purposes because, well, um, Americans aren't necessarily welcome outside of the country now. So, um, so going to Fiji and bringing a, uh, a large, uh, production crew isn't necessarily a, um, a great choice, uh, for, for the world. Uh, but ABC has some of its scripted dramas, uh, back as well. Uh, still on Wednesday, premiering on October 21st, you have the premieres of the Goldbergs, the Connors and Blackish. And then a week later the premiere of american housewife and then um again we're getting later in the year but starting in november november 11th the chicago trilogy uh you know uh med fire and pd is all returning to nbc in uh november um on thursday premiering september 24th you have celebrity family feud press your luck and match game more game shows returning to abc uh, let's see. October 8th. That's a Thursday. You see the, uh, premiere of the final season of Supernatural on the C dub, as well as on October 22nd, you see the premiere of Superstore on the NBC. Uh, and on November 12th, that's the premiere of Law and Order SVU on NBC. So you kind of get the idea. Oh, and, and Friday, uh, you got Dateline NBC on September 25th. October 2nd sees the return of Undercover Boss on CBS. And October 16th is the season premiere of Shark Tank. And November 13th, that's a Friday, is the premiere of The Blacklist on NBC. So... As I said, you get the idea. So in mid to late September, you've get you get your reality shows and your game shows and then the scripted dramas that I'm sure were completed production prior to COVID. Um, you'll see those in October, 
mid-October and into mid-November. Now, the last thing I wanted to read with regards to the TV stuff here, uh, still to be scheduled in 2020, it's broken down by network. And this this tells you what, what your huge gaps are. ABC, uh, still to be scheduled in 2020. Uh, the Good Doctor, Stumptown, Station 19, Grey's Anatomy, A Million Little Things, and The Rookie. Uh, over on CBS, it's basically their entire scripted lineup, uh, including The Neighborhood, Bob Hart's Abishola, All Rise, Bull, uh, all the flavors of NCIS, all of the flavors of FBI, uh, SEAL Team, uh, Young Sheldon, Mom, The Unicorn, Evil, MacGyver, Magnum PI, Blue Bloods, uh, The Equalizer. Oh, yeah, that's right. They were doing an Equalizer reboot. I forgot about that. And SWAT. Now, I don't want to I, I don't want to dip into politics too terribly much, but I it, it's a it's a politically charged time, especially with regards to law enforcement. And I've speculated to myself and I'll speculate here. I don't know if all these cop shows are actually going to come back. I, I don't know if that's entertainment that folks want. Now, I would also say that that's entertainment that some folks want. And I don't know if that speaks to a political divide thing. Like, like for example, uh, we really like SWAT. It's, it's, it's a good show. And lucky loves all of them. NCISs and all of them FBI's and all that. So whether those shows are appropriate for uh, the current political climate that we're in, I don't know. I, I couldn't say for my taste and, you know, watching TV shows as escapism, I I'm all for it, but I, I know uh, several other folks have spoken up and says, you know, I'm not really in the mood for hero cop stories, you know, or, or to see law enforcement portrayed as heroes. So, your mileage may vary, but I, I would be very interested uh, to hear what you think. So maybe you can uh, uh, shoot me an email or a voicemail or um, or something um, or sound off in the comments. Um, I, I'd, I'd be kind of curious what what you think. Do you do you like cop shows? Do you want cop shows? Is that something that's uh, socially or politically relevant? I don't have the answers, unfortunately. Um, I did want to touch on briefly. Uh, some of the stuff that we are watching because we've uh, um, a- as I mentioned, we have been kind of getting into uh, streaming TV, I think way more so uh, than we ever did. You know, when we first moved uh, to the SeaTac house, we got CBS all access. We watched uh, uh, Star Trek Picard. And then um, after that kind of worked backwards, uh, watched uh, both seasons of Star Trek discovery. And, you know, it, it's funny. I, uh, I don't really understand, um, kind of like far right wing conservative, or I guess, quote unquote, conservative, uh, Star Trek fans, because like there, there's been so much criticism from a vocal minority talking about, you know, like how, how Star Trek and Picard are so woke and whatnot. And, I don't know. I, I've been a Star Trek fan for pretty much my entire life. And I think Star Trek was pretty much woke from day one when you had 
um, a diverse cast and representation on the bridge of the enterprise from day one. So uh, to me, uh, diversity and inclusion is kind of baked into uh, the fabric of what Star Trek is. So when I see folks that, um, that, that have criticisms of uh, Picard and Star Trek Discovery based on those types of criteria about like, you know, forced diversity and stuff. It's like, I, I, I think those folks really need to go back and watch the original series from uh, the sixties. And then, you know, maybe watch some of the series from the nineties where you have an African-American captain in, in uh, captain Cisco from deep space nine. And you have a gasp female captain in the form of uh, captain Janeway from Voyager. And yeah, I just, I, I, I've never understood uh, uh, chuds <laughs> in, in Star Trek fandom. It just, it just does not make sense. I mean, I can kind of understand uh, that that type of uh, whiny man child uh, behavior in Star Wars fandom. It's kind of what's kind of driven me away and and inclined me to double down on Transformers fandom. But but yeah, I, I just don't get it from um, uh, Star Trek fandom anyway. Where I'm going with that is we've we've been watching primarily CBS All Access. We have Hulu, we have Amazon, and we've uh, we've got Netflix as well. But we've been kind of trying to to pick those bones clean. In that, you know, we I, I've mentioned here before that we're uh, fans of Big Brother, and you know we we've obviously been new, uh, watching that new All Star season, which is fine. It's been fine. I. I'm glad that we got a season um, as opposed to not. Um, and, but, but what I found is that it's, um, it, it's kind of weirdly unremarkable in that it is an all-star season. So you kind of lose some of that magic of um, contestants learning the game as you, the viewer are getting to know them. So it just, it kind of feels like an old shoe and sometimes old shoes are fine. You know, I've, I've waxed philosophical about my, um, a well-worn Nike air monarchs, uh, uh, plenty of times, but yeah, for some reason it, it's, it's, it's not that it's flat. It's not that it's bad. It's just not specifically exciting. That being said, for in terms of like meat and potatoes and and meatloaf comfort TV, it certainly fits that bill. But I bring up Big Brother because uh, one of the uh, one of the things that we got into, and this was this was kind of in the in the throes of the pandemic and quarantine, not not knowing what the future was going to hold uh, for the season of big brother. This was before the all-star season was announced and whether we knew that there was even going to be a show. Uh, we decided to go all the way back and watch season one of big brother. And I, I, I thought that was especially interesting um, because we, we got into big brother um, only recently. I, I want to say, I don't know, maybe, seven maybe eight years ago i i would have to i would actually have to like go through like a wiki and and check all of the previous seasons to figure out when we actually jumped on but it was not 
specifically recently, and we were not there at the beginning. So the first season of Big Brother aired in 2000, um, you know, basically the summer of 2000. And uh, it, it was the same year that Survivor premiered. In fact, it premiered the fall after or actually, no, there, there was a little bit of overlap. I, I don't have the dates in front of me. Um, the only reason I remember that is because there's references to Survivor within the context of Big Brother, which is very weird. But um, we watched Survivor, but we didn't watch Big Brother. And I would recommend if you um, if you want to see the beginnings and origins of kind of like one of the weirder, more trashier reality shows. Actually, no, it's it's trashy in a CBS kind of way. So it's not it's not the real world. It's not road rules. It's certainly not the challenge or whatever that nonsense is all about. But it's you know, it's risque at times, but um we we were curious and checked it out. It's 70 episodes. This was on five nights a week. And then about halfway through, once they saw how popular it was, they added a sixth night. So it's a bit of a slog, uh, but we we did get through it. And I and I wanted to share something with you. Let me see if I can find this now. I OK, so I, I guess I should set this up before uh, before I show. And again, if if you follow me on Facebook, you've already seen this. But um, I just wanted to talk about it since we were talking about uh, season one of Survivor. Um one of the contestants is uh, was because it was 20 years ago was from Seattle and throughout the show, they showed various uh, cutaways and reactions um, to this person being in the house. And they would show uh, local TV and radio stations of the time, um, primarily being kiss 106.1. Um, so I just thought, Oh, well that, that was, you know, whatever, the the main station that they were showing. Um, and then we get towards the end. I want to say this is like episode 59 of, of the 70. And we're, uh, we're just watching the show, minding our own business out of nowhere. When suddenly I see, um, <laughs> I see this, um, this is a, a competition called Starvivor at the Puyallup Fair, uh, put on by Star 101.5, the, uh, uh, one of the other popular radio stations in, in town. Here's the deal with Star 101.5. I happen to know folks that happened to work there. So I thought it was very interesting. Basically what Starvivor was is these people live in a box at the Puyallup fair, uh, now the Washington state fair. And it was, um, it, it was, it was a, uh, contest that I, I, or promotion that I knew nothing about. And, so suddenly I start talking to folks at work. I was like, Hey, you know, you know, I found this you know, star viver thing while I was watching uh, season one of big brother. Uh, this was in late September of uh, 2000, uh, literally 20 years ago. And to see uh, these folks that I work with, you know, it, it was just, it, it was just a huge trip. So 
I start talking about this, sharing it, and it just it just blew everybody away because uh, um, you know folks had forgotten about it or put it out of their minds or or whatever. But I, I just I, I just thought I would share that here just because it was it was uh, it was just kind of on my mind, just a just a goofy thing. But um, if you're um, yeah, CBS All Access, Big Brother season one. The other thing I want to mention is that it is. If you've ever watched uh, Big Brother, you kind of understand the mechanics of the game. There's a head of household. There's a power veto competition. The, um, you know, the house guests nominate each other for eviction, vote each other out of the house until one remains. You know, that's basically it in a nutshell. This season one doesn't have any of those tropes. There are literally no tropes of what is in contemporary big brother. And it's very weird because like, it's a game. That's not a game. These people are just kind of like living together. There's 10 people. They, um, nominate, uh, yeah, they nominate each other for banishment every two weeks. And then the viewers, the viewing public calls a 900 number to, uh, basically banish somebody from the big brother house and so it's again it's it's just it's so violently different from uh from what folks know now so that that was really our curiosity is just to uh just to see it and then starting with season two which um i i'm sure you've had this experience when you look at uh when you're watching something on streaming and the an episode ends it immediately almost immediately goes into the next episode before you really before you can react um that's that's kind of um our experience when we watched episode 70 of big brother season one we went immediately into season two and got like halfway through the episode before we turned it off and it was interesting how quickly it transformed and changed into kind of the big brother uh, competition that we know now. It was like it, it, it changed on a dime. So regardless of how popular it was, they they completely revamped uh, the show from the ground up into um, what we uh, what we recognize now. Now, that being said, we have uh, picked up um, a couple new shows that we're watching. We've been. Um, oh, duh, when I was talking about. Uh, Star Trek. Uh, we started watching Lower Decks, uh, the new animated show um, that's kind of set in the Star Trek Next Generation uh, era. It's it's good. I I like it. It's um, it's I I was afraid it was going to be a Rick and Morty knockoff, and it's got a little bit of that. Um, but it's got it's also got enough heart to where like it understands what Star Trek is supposed to be. And it's got plenty of deep cuts references uh, without it just being reference salad, you know, where it's like we've talked about this before, where things can get so self-referential that it, um, you know, it's, you know, we, we use the term fan service a lot. And, you know, when sometimes get something gets too deep into fan service it, it becomes off-putting and from what i've seen so far what we've watched so far of star trek lower decks it's not that it's like the references are like just right just the um just the right amount of um uh reference there 
Um, let me see. Oh, we've uh, we've continued uh, season four of Lucifer on Netflix, and it is interesting uh, because we we talked about this uh, last week. Sorry, week before, and it's while it is on Netflix, it doesn't seem to stray too far into um. What am I trying to say? Um, the the violence and language isn't to that same uh, mature level that you would expect from a streaming show. It's more like a cable show. So they they drop s words, but I don't think anybody has said f word. You know, um, you do get the occasional uh, nudity. You get to you get to see a lot of uh, uh, star uh, Tom Ellis's bare ass a lot, which, you know, for folks that are into that, that's totally fine and totally uh, consistent within the character. I got no problem with it. I in fact, I like that it's kind of thrown in there for for like a little bit of shock value because it still feels like a Fox show where maybe they just swear a little more. Um, but the violence hasn't changed. And like I said, just that little bit of nudity, it's, um, yeah, it's been fun. We're about halfway through season four. Um, so we know that we have a season five, uh, waiting for us as well. And I, and I realized that, um, that there was, um, there was a question that, um, that Shar had asked me that I hadn't addressed when I was talking about TV. Um, she asked me if, uh, if we've watched Cobra Kai. We have not. And but I did want to mention it um, here briefly because I do think it's interesting now that that Cobra Kai, the uh, sequel series uh, to the Karate Kid is now on Netflix and folks have been discovering it. They've been binging it and have really been digging it. Um, I'll throw that in the pile of shows that I'll get to at some point, maybe. But I think it's interesting that this was a show that started on uh, YouTube, like like YouTube Red or something like that. It was it was whatever their um, uh, whatever their uh, 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 premium platform was, where basically you you pay for a subscription. Actually, I don't know how YouTube Red worked. I don't care. Uh, but anyway, it, that that's where Cobra Kai started, and. At the time, folks that the very few folks that saw it were singing its praises. So it's interesting that now, like two years later, uh, folks are discovering it on Netflix and really liking it as well. But I I do see some of those um, saltier hipsters out there saying like, oh, you like that Cobra Kai? Uh, Maybe you'll believe me when I was telling you about it two years ago, you know, just to just to pull a random uh, uh, thought out there but uh but yeah no i i i hear it's really good um uh, we will give it a day in court um one of these days um over on hulu we started watching uh runaways uh based on the marvel comic um that had three seasons i think that's been over for a number of years but it was it was something that i thought i wanted to give a day in court to and you know we're three episodes in it's fine certainly i i certainly wouldn't encourage you to stop what you're doing and go watch it but it's yeah it's it's a neat little show and it it does bring up a question that i'd like to ask you uh here you know so like there's there's um i i guess kind of like the marvel tv shows are i guess what i could call an orphaned continuity because like you have um 
kind of on Hulu, you have, oh, what is it? You have Runaways, you have Cloak and Dagger, um, and maybe something else. But like, oh, it, obviously, uh, Marvel's Agents of Shield, and a few of few of those other uh, TV shows that kind of take place in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. You know, there's there's references to the movies of. Um, fleeting tie-ins, things like that. And then on the other side, on Netflix, you have three seasons worth of Daredevil, two seasons of The Punisher, a couple seasons of Jessica Jones, uh, Luke Cage, Iron Fist, and uh, a season of uh, Defenders, the the team-up show. What I'm wondering is for folks that haven't watched any of that, has it been too long? Like, I mean, all of the Netflix shows have been canceled, you know, uh, well over a year, maybe two. And like, I've seen parts of Daredevil and that's all I've seen. Um, and I remember at the time being really excited to watch those shows, but we didn't have Netflix. So it kind of came and went now that we do have Netflix, I kind of want to go back and watch them or, or in this case, actually watch them. But if they're kind of orphans, you know, orphan series from an orphan continuity, should I even bother? Um, I, I hear daredevil is really good. Um, I hear, uh, that first season of Jessica Jones is really good. I've heard that iron fist is very, not good. I've heard that Luke cage is very okay. And so, yeah, so it's, you know, it's definitely kind of a mixed bag. So I don't know. You tell me, uh, should I check out, the um all of those marvel sh- shows um even though they've long since been canceled and and really is it more appealing to go to a show that's ended like for example when we clicked on runaways we saw that it was 3 seasons and i know that it's it's over that made it easier to click on as opposed to something that has five seasons that's ongoing it's it's hard to get into it so um would like your thoughts on that now um as a as we kind of get closer to wrapping up this evening's live stream i kind of want to talk about everybody's favorite robots in disguise as i said before tomorrow is my birthday and usually when uh at or around my birthday i do something related to transformers the movie now, um, this summer, uh, we had the, uh, Sidefest panel, the, the return of the legacy of the Transformers, the movie. Um, so I, I'm not going to do a whole lot of elaborate content like, uh, like, like I've done previously. And really, if I remember correctly, I'd almost have to go through, uh, my episode history. I think it's kind of like an either or it's like, I either do something at or around my birthday, or I do something around August 8th to commemorate the, um, uh, the theatrical release of transformers, the movie back in 1986. So this is, this is, uh, this is probably as close as I'm going to do to, uh, both. But, um, but before we get there, I do want to, uh, talk about virtual transformers conventions, um, a little bit because, uh, not this last week, but the week before, um, Apollo was our guest and we talked about a new upcoming, 
uh, virtual Transformers convention, which at the time was called Vo City, uh, named after the one, the location as well as the uh, Transformers character from the uh, Decepticon Justice Division. And, you know, we talked a lot about, you know, the the ambitious ideas for panels, uh, the, uh, the excitement we had about, you know, bringing in, um, other fans and having it being basically like a, um, a fan convention as I, I stumbled on a tagline accidentally when I was tweeting about it, because it's basically like, uh, by fans for fans of the fans, that kind of thing. You know, it's, it's, it's all, um, fans that are putting it together. And, um, it, it was originally going to be in, uh, October. No, I'm sorry. Uh, November, maybe it doesn't matter because it's not that anymore. Um, the, uh, the, the council of worlds of which I am a, a member, um, I'm, I'm over here annexing the earth, uh, um, into the council of worlds. And, um, it's, we've, we've decided that January would probably be a better time than, um, than November. Um, just, one to give us uh more time to plan um yeah basically more time to plan more time to promote and uh more opportunity and time to uh flesh that out we uh, uh that that decision was made uh last week in the time between then and now something interesting has happened there's there's been a um there has been an announcement of another uh, virtual fan convention. TFCon Online Virtual Transformers Convention from October 24th to the 25th of this year um, on this image. And so far, here's the thing also, this is the only thing that TFCon has put out. This one graphic that says uh, Virtual Transformers Convention October 24th to the 25th Convention Exclusive Toys third-party product preview, guest Q&A panels, Transformers fan panels, and Transformers artists commissions. So if you're wondering how any of that works, hey, that's a, that's a great question, and I have no answers for you. But it's interesting that... You know, we, um, Apollo comes on the show here on the After Hours Mike Seibert Radio live stream and, um, announces Vo City. And, um, you know, a- after our Council of Worlds kind of, uh, discusses it a little bit, we decide that it's more prudent to move it to January. Um, less than a week later, TFCon comes out and announces that they are doing a virtual convention. I'm not saying that they ripped off our idea. Um, so, but, but it is, it is very uh, interesting and I don't know what to make of this. And I, I, I'm going to spill a little bit of tea here. Uh, the, the folks that put together TFCon are a fine bunch of fans, and they, over the years, have become very, very good at it and very, very proficient. The TFCon shows are, um, are, are really great. Um, I don't have anything bad specifically to say uh, 
about that. Like, um, I, I will continue to be a patron of TFCon and a participant and things like that. I, I don't, I don't believe that that would ever change. But the tea I want to spill here is with regards to um, organization and logistics. Now, um, you're familiar with the uh, panel I've told you about that um, that friends of the show, uh, the Autopod Decepticast, Aaron, Ryan and Caleb, um, they've they've since done their G1 movie madness panel twice. At, uh, at TFCon, first in Chicago in 2018, and then a, a sequel of sorts to it at TFCon DC in 2019. I had the opportunity to be a part of the Chicago panel. I didn't go to DC. Um, and, uh, you know, it was, it, it was a great experience. Where things get kind of interesting is that I I remember even from the start going back to I don't know maybe it was even as early as summer of 2018 and I I should I should preface this that this really isn't necessarily my story to tell so I may be spilling tea that is not mine to spill but I've been I I've been like a a um observer of these things kind of like from the side. Um, so it, it's, it's been interesting when you're proposing a fan created panel to TFCon. the process is um, slow and occasionally frustrating at the end of the day, the, the thing goes off without a hitch and everybody is happy, but getting there, there's a lot of, um, nervousness and anxiousness that goes into it. Like, um, you know, emails that don't get answered communication that doesn't necessarily get addressed. And again, it just, it just leaves folks with a, a very nervous feeling. Like I, I know I, I spent, um, you know, part of the fall of 2018 kind of trying to, um, uh, not comfort. That's not what I'm saying, but, but, you know, I'm like, you know, what? it'll be okay. You know, it'll be okay. Well, we don't know what time the panel is going to be. Yeah. That, that would be nice to know, wouldn't it? Well, we don't know what day it is, you know? And, and I think for something that the guys spent conservatively a couple months preparing and put together, I think it was maybe like the week of the show that they learned the time that their panel was going to be and the day it was going to be, which can be very frustrating and very nerve wracking when you're trying to plan your content. So the thing that I've uh, mentioned, oh, I just realized that the, my screen is still shared here, but so let's break this down. So convention exclusive toys, you know, TFCon has, standing deals with several uh, third-party vendors and even uh, with a uh, TFCon Orlando that was canceled uh, early in the spring, they still had the toys that were ready for that convention that basically the, the vendor still sold as quote unquote TFCon exclusives. So this doesn't surprise me that, you know, they probably had toys that were already prepared to be uh, to be sold as TFCon exclusives. So that's fine. 
uh, third-party product review that um, I was actually a guest on Autopod Decepticast uh, uh, where basically they had prepared the third-party panel slideshow and and reveal for the convention for TFCon Orlando, and then the can- the convention got canceled due to COVID. But they had the material already ready, so actually TFCon's first foray into live streaming content actually dates back to uh, February um, or March, whenever it was, and they basically ran the slideshow slash video of what would have been the third party panel. They just did it as a, as a live stream. And I was a guest on Autopod Decepticast and talked to Aaron um, about what I, about what I thought. It's fine. So I would imagine that this is the same thing. Uh, guest Q and a panels. Um, I would imagine that these are going to be some kind of streaming panels with um, either celebrity voice actors or, um, other creators, um, or I'm sorry, other notable creators, meaning like folks that either, um, have, are, or will be working on the comic books, whether they be the old Marvel comics or the current IDW comics. Um, this is where, um, the next item down, the Transformers fan panels, that, that, what, that's what kind of has me, uh, concerned or things that I, I want to talk about and spill the tea about. Um, the folks at TFCon have, have always been kind of weird with regards to uh, fan panels. And it has, I, I've talked to a number of folks aside from the people that I just mentioned, um, have had um, incredible amounts of frustration with dealing with TFCon with regards to um to their fan panels. And I don't know why that is. Um, I, I being devil's advocate, you know, these, uh, these folks are fans just like us. Um, you know, maybe they get bogged down. Maybe there just isn't enough time in the, the, in the day, there aren't enough hours in the day. I can appreciate that, but it is, it is incredibly difficult for folks on the other side that are looking to, uh, present, content in a in a panel format as i said my friends took months to to prepare their transformers the movie uh panel for tfcon well basically what what i what i want to share is uh some correspondence uh between a um between somebody that that was interested in putting to submitting a fan panel and and TFCon. So they responded uh, to uh, one of these various posts. It's been all over uh, Twitter, Instagram, uh, Facebook, you know, advertising this uh, this TFCon online and, um, you know, folks asking, you know, how they could submit for fan panels. Uh, where can we find info about the fan panels? How do we sign up to host? Send an email to info at tfcon.com. Makes sense, right? Um, so uh, w- within, um, within an email, I was told to send an email in regards to fan panels for the online event. I'd like to know more about them if that's all right. I'd also like to know how to apply and what info would be needed. The convention responds, 
you can email your pitch right here. Thanks. It's not very helpful. Um, to which there's uh, the the fan responds. Thank you. I've gathered that part so far. I was hoping to get more information on what sort of panels the con might be looking for. For example, toy reviews, interactive panels such as games with the audience, educational panels such as how to cosplay um, or design a comic, etc information would be important in regards to organizing one such as what time duration a panel should be kept within where it would be hosted for the online event whether or not live streaming twitch streaming is a requirement etc i appreciate your response in advance and look forward to seeing what me and my teammates could offer there has been no response to that email And that's that's kind of par for the course with uh, with TFCon. Now, there's speculation that perhaps the TFCon is just looking to amass various fan uh, pitches and then they will go through and pick the ones that they like, which if you are going to the community soliciting um, content uh fan panels i don't know if that's the appropriate way to do it like oh we'll take all of your ideas and then we'll go through them and decide what uh what we want to put up it makes me look at the experience that my buddies had in a different light in that perhaps they were part of like this review process where they're like well i mean we we need something to put on uh Sunday at 4 p.m. so maybe we could put on this 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 movie madness madness or or whatever. I don't I don't know if that's the best way to do that. Um maybe I'm coming at it from a different angle given my um mostly positive experience with Sidefest Northwest. Basically they were like we need content. I want to do content. Great. You know, let us know what you're doing. It's not necessarily, it wasn't necessarily like asking for permission. It was kind of like, you know, I, I am interested in contributing this content. Now, I, I suppose if the show organizers of Sidefest didn't want my specific, uh, the return of the legacy of the Transformers, the movie panel, or, if uh, if there were uh, difficulties with uh, the guests, because I mean, I gave them everything. I'm like, this is everybody that I've invited. Um, this this is basically what's what the panel is going to be. If there was issues, they had the opportunity to to let me know about that. So I I, I don't know what the the best approach is. Where I guess I'm going with that in a roundabout kind of way is that as a fan it makes me not want to submit content to TFCon on the chance that maybe I'll have the opportunity to uh, present it. I don't know if I'm looking at that correctly or not. Maybe I've, I've, uh, I've got too much smoke inhalation. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not sure, but I, I kind of bring that up because like some of, some of the conversations that we have had amongst ourselves with regards to this um, this new online fan convention that we are now calling IACON, um, 
uh, you know, obvi- obviously uh, named after the the city in uh, in Transformers of the same name on on Cybertron. Uh, that will be happening uh, January 30th through the 31st of 2021 after the calendar rolls over and we get a new year. So hopefully that'll be better for us. But there's been discussions amongst ourselves about how we want to approach and solicit fan content. And more or less, we want to present an environment that is inclusive and welcoming. Um, And I, I think the main thing, because I mean, we had a lot of discussions about whether we're competing with TFCon or or whatever. I I, I don't want to litigate that, and I've uh, I've probably already spilt too much tea as it is. I hope I don't get in trouble with my friends. But the thing that I I, I want to say is that like we're we're making a commitment to the fans that want to participate and hang out with us that we're not going to leave you hanging. So if that if that's construed as kind of uh, positioning us against TFCon, then then I, I'm sorry for that. But um, but it's just I don't know. It, it was it was just something that that's especially frustrating. And I'm very interested and curious to see what TFCon actually does and how that may or may not influence what we do. Because there's, um, for anybody that listens to more than one Transformers podcast, you know, there is many different ways of presenting the same material. Like I am currently listening to two different podcasts that are literally covering the same episodes of the G1 cartoon, um, Autopod Decepticast and More Than Meets the Pod. And fans of those shows will tell you that they are vastly different with vastly different viewpoints and the material presented is very different, even though they're talking about literally the same episodes of the cartoon. So that's what, in my mind, what the mission of Iacon is, is going to be is that, you know, it's a, it's a fan convention by the fans for the fans of the fans and you know we're we're really going to give a serious go of it and you know try to be as inclusive and representative as as possible and i think really kind of waving that flag um proudly so i would be very interested to see uh what you think you know um especially in the wake of uh dc fandom um you know uh, san diego comic con at home uh, TF Nation, uh, their uh, their live stream, and you know to a much much lesser extent, uh, Sidefest Northwest. I think since we know we're not going to get actual conventions anytime soon, I think that virtual conventions are something that we're going to be um, that that are going to be part of the scene for a while. And I think there's there's enough uh, bandwidth and uh, material uh, for everybody whoa those were some seriously hot takes how do you feel about it let mike know on facebook twitter and instagram at mike cyber radio
a couple quick shout outs. First of all, um, in case you missed it, my uh, most current episode of the podcast uh, was uh, episode number 290 and featured my interview with uh, my mentor, Charlie Harger, talking about his podcasting class at Green River College. I just want to remind you that fall session starts on September 21st. So that's still um, a week from tonight. So still plenty of opportunity to go uh, check out greenriver.edu and register for that um, basically on-demand uh, podcasting class um, and go check out the podcast. Uh, that uh, that was a ton of fun. Um, I try to talk to Charlie at least once a year. Um, he is the guy that um, you know, was, was one of the first ones to teach me about podcasting. So in a lot of ways, if you hung around with us on the live stream for this long, you have him to blame for, uh, for, for fostering my, uh, my burgeoning interest in, in, uh, wanting to do, uh, this, uh, this format. I also want to talk about, um, let's see, a, a couple, uh, projects from friends of mine. So the new issue of Transformers Reanimated is now available. It's issue number 14. It's titled A Swarm of Bumblebees. Uh, the uh, um, the cover was done by Dan Hanna, who's a um, uh, old school uh, Transformers artist. Uh, um, and, you know, it's got a ton of Bumblebee on there. So I am looking forward to our eventual a script reading podcast where, you know, we, uh, a handful of us get together. It's Greg and Yoshi and myself and Alpha Magnus and, and, uh, and, uh, uh James Fisher and the APDC gang. And we read these scripts out loud. And, uh, for those of you that have been listening to those podcasts, I have been, Bumblebee has been one of my primary roles along with, uh, along with Chip Chase and a couple others. But, um, I see a lot of bumblebee on the cover so that makes me incredibly excited um and yeah so uh head over to transformersreanimated.com and uh check that out it is totally for free and if you go back through uh my episode feeds you'll hear more of the history about uh the transformers reanimated project and and where it started and where it's going and you know these guys have been at it for just over a year now and with no end in sight and they seem to be having a lot of fun with it so um so yeah huge uh, huge shout out and congratulations to those guys um speaking of greg um our friend from down under from uh from australia he uh was also on this most recent episode of autopod decepticast talking about a uh, fan favorite episode dinobot island now the episode came out on sunday and i've just now started on it it's um um but one of the things i did want to point out you know for folks that that may not have listened before uh, my dude aaron uh does um how shall we say elaborate intros to the podcasts usually telling pop culture stories kind of framed uh, reframed with uh the the podcast hosts as guests and um this time in honor of uh greg being from australia uh aaron went through and did a very 
ACDC themed intro. I don't want to spoil it any further than that, but I, um, I've talked about this before, but I, I'm a lifelong ACDC fan. I know all the songs sound the same, which is fine because all the songs are awesome. So I, uh, yeah, no, I, I've, I've been a fan of ACDC since I was eight years old. Um, so yeah, the, the, it's always had a, a very special place for me. So it was, it was weirdly selfish. This is how my dumb, selfish brain works sometimes is I felt like the, uh, and, and I get a shout out in the intro as well. I, I'm, I've somehow been drawn into this lore of theirs, but, um, but no, I, I just, I, I know they recorded it many, many weeks ago, but I listened to it, uh, this morning on my way to work the day before my birthday. And I can't help but feel that that was, you know, kind of, kind of for me in a, in a, in a weird way, even though it totally wasn't and was more aimed at Greg, the actual dude from actual Australia. But anyway, that's, um, if nothing else, check out the intro of uh, this week's Autopod Decepticast and stick around uh, for Greg talking about one of his uh, favorite episodes of uh, the Transformers of uh, the season two, two-parter uh, Dinobot Island. It's uh, it is um, it, it's a ton of fun. So as uh, as we close out and get ready to talk about Transformers, the movie, I want to let you know about a podcast I have coming up with a uh, podcaster named Rafe Telsch. He is is the host of a podcast called Have Not Seen This. And it's basically a movie podcast where he invites guests to come on and bring in kind of seldomly seen movies and talk about them. Um, I got connected with him on a um, Facebook group and um, he was just, you know, soliciting guests. And I, I hit him up and I'm like, well, I, uh, um, I, I don't know if this is something that's on your radar, but I have a certain animated classic from 1986 that I can, I can talk about. And he, uh, he wrote, he wrote me back almost immediately, sounded very excited. And he's like, I was not a Transformers kid growing up. So I'm really excited to, uh, to get that perspective. And, and we, uh, we are actually going to record, uh, next Monday night, the, uh, the 21st. So I guess, um, you heard it here first. There'll be no after hours live stream on Monday, the 21st, because I will be, uh, recording with, uh, with Rafe Telsch and we will be talking about Transformers the movie on his podcast, Have Not Seen This. So I'm, I, I'm really, um, I, I'm really excited for that opportunity, um, uh, because like I, I've been talking about Transformers the movie with a lot of folks for a long time, but it feels that more recently it's gotten um, uh, for lack of better term, kind of echo chambery. Like, you know, I've, I've done a couple different panels at a couple different conventions and you, I I've contributed content to uh friends podcasts. You know, if I've um, you know, I've, I've been, been invited to contribute um, uh, several uh, times to Transformers University. I've been on, you know, uh, Autopod Decepticast uh, several times. Uh, but anyway, I've, you know, I, I, I've, I've spent a lot of the last two years talking about this movie with friends, 
as opposed to making new friends and talking about it. It kind of reminds me of how I used to talk about the movie five years ago when I would leave voicemails for BJ Shea's Geek Nation talking about how Transformers the movie is better than uh, whichever live action movie happened to be out. I was like, yeah, you know, um, imagine you're watching Star Wars and that at, the end of the Death Star run, um, the Death Star suddenly turns around and changes into a giant robot and starts swatting away um, X-wing fighters. That's kind of the scale of this uh, um, scale of this movie. Oh, by the way, you can uh, you can watch Transformers the movie three times in the amount of time it takes to watch any of the Michael Bay movies. And you don't have to worry about um, cringe worthy scenes um, uh, discussing age of consent laws. Um, so um, anyway, so, so I've, I've been evangelical about transformers, the movie for like, like I said, you know, like um, uh, like the last five years or so. So I'll, I'll be excited to talk to somebody that runs a movie podcast that's not part of the Transformers fandom to just kind of um yeah kind of bring my my perspective on that. So I I'm really excited uh for that and just kind of uh be on the lookout. So uh to close out, I wanna talk about um I want to talk about toys. I want to talk about leaks. There's a there are some toys coming from Hasbro that are basically inspired by Transformers, the movie Uh, toys that I don't know if in my lifetime I ever thought I would see. And I think coming first is, um, it is a set inspired by one of uh, actually one of my favorite scenes in in the movie. The Quintesson Pit of Judgment set is is uh, um, is coming, and the reason why I want to share that now is because um, not because it's a new toy that's been. Um, how do I want to phrase that? Uh, this was announced back in July. In this action figure set, it's a it's a five piece set. You have the Quintesson Judge with all five rotating faces. Um, man, I would love an audio clip where you just get like the laughing or something. Um, you get the the uh, Quintesson Prosecutor, um, a little uh, a Shark Decon to go in the pit, and the other figure you get is the uh, Quintesson Bailiff. And then, of course, you get a, a tiny slug figure of uh, uh, Kranix who uh, just wants to be spared that mockery of justice. Now, so this this has been on my radar since like July, you know, me saying like, oh, man, I want to get this. I want to get this. Um, we have learned now that that set is going to be available exclusively through Hasbro Pulse. That is going to be part of PulseCon September 25th through 26th. So that's that's what the word on the street is when um, this Quintesson Pit of Judgment set will be available. Now, again, um, the reason why I'm so excited about this set, and I know we talked way back at the beginning of the show about having... Uh, collections of random stuff. I'm learning in that I've already said that I want this, but in that time, 
I've been figuring out where I would like to put it and where I would like it displayed. Uh, something that's new for me as opposed to just buying stuff and not knowing where to put it. The reason why I want this is because, uh, I mean, I guess I, I'm, I'm saying it backwards. It's, it's an action figure representation of one of my favorite scenes from my favorite movie. Figures that I never thought I was going to see. And even the, the thing that, that kind of warmed my heart the most, and it sounds very silly to say out loud, but on the back of the package art, I mean, look, look at this, this, um, um, this gorgeous painted art in the bottom corner, it says inspired by the Transformers, the movie. And I, I've never seen anything like that on a toy package art before. So that alone makes it something that I'm very interested in. And, and they're, and they're very nice figures as well. I, you know, um, I, I, you know, I, I think they're cool, but I, I love the packaging. Remember like when I was showing you, um, that Boba Fett figure that I said that I'm a sucker for packaging and, and look at this, this is one box where you can see all five figures, um, you know, very, uh, very clearly. And I'm sure that's something I could pop open easily and display, uh, separately if that was something that I wanted to do. So to me, that that's something I'm going to uh, try to get if I can. Uh, allegedly, the retail price is sixty nine ninety nine, which is once once you break it down by individual figure, is more than a bargain. But earlier this week, I saw um, I saw a couple things that kind of that kind of made me a little concerned slash worried. Anybody that's in, like, say, like the G.I. Joe fandom and I guess a, a Transformers fandom to an extent also, what with the uh, the debacle that was that that whole um, uh, uh, gigawatt uh, back to the future uh, figure. Basically, what's happened is that scalpers have been doing like, you know, scalping bots and and things like that to uh, snap up digital pre-orders before real fans actually get an opportunity to um, uh, to have a chance at them. And I thought like this had already happened. Like we haven't seen an official official announcement saying that the Quinnison pit of judgment will be available on the pulse during pulse con on September 25th and 26th. I guess that's, I, I think that's information that's just kind of uh, known within the fandom, I guess. I don't know. Um, but anyway, I, I saw several eBay listings for twice to three times the, the retail price, which is not uncommon for scalpers. I think, I, I, I think my, uh, my dude, Dave Cabal paid, upwards to like a hundred dollars for uh the baroness and the coil cycle um that's like a like a 49.99 item and he paid like a hundred dollars for it from a scalper um you know the 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 things we do to complete our collections i suppose but what i i found more disturbing than the ebay listings because oftentimes Folks will put up, you know, scalpers are already set up with shops on eBay saying like, hey, man, I, I got I got your Quintesson pit of judgment, you know, anticipating that, you know, their scalper bots are going to um, uh, snap up enough copies. But the thing that I, I found more disturbing than that was that I saw folks that weren't toy reviewers 
and I'm not going to litigate anything about toy reviewers here. That's that's a whole nother ball of wax that, quite frankly, um, at this time of night, I just I just don't have time to unravel, you know, allegations of theft and where where these reviewers actually get their copies and whether that's uh, through legal means. That's a different topic for a different day. But what I was seeing was pictures of folks that I would say are just folks, civilians, normal people uh, getting in hand images of the Quintesson pit of judgment. And it, and it made me concerned. It's like, Oh, they're probably buying these off of eBay. And these are real things that are hitting the market. Did I miss my opportunity? Did this pre-order come and go? Have folks already bought them? That's how much I want this thing. I've been kind of like watching it closely and, and I'm very paranoid about missing it. But then I, I, um, you know, reached out to some of my friends and, you know, made a couple posts in a couple groups on Facebook. And basically what the, um, word on the street is that the ones for in-hand images were for, um, toy shows in either Taiwan or Singapore, somewhere overseas where, these are already available. And presumably that's what the eBay listings were as well, is that they were the um, ones that were acquired at these overseas uh, toy shows. So um, that, that kind of eased my mind a little bit as well as hearing the news. Cause I don't think I had heard it at that point that um, the Quintesson pit of judgment would officially be available during PulseCon um, on the 25th and the um, 26th. So, um, so there's that. I, like I said, I just, I, I really wanted to uh, talk about that because I have not talked about, um, I haven't talked about it on, on the live stream or on a podcast or uh, really any place else. So I just, um, I, I just wanted to, I just wanted to touch on that. Um, uh, briefly uh, before I got out of here. And the last thing I want to cover is um, some leaks. And I don't know how you feel about leaks, but um, we have seen, and I'm just going to bring up um, uh, Sabertron here. Um, basically a uh, firsthand look at studio series, 86 cup hot rod and, um, um, another figure from the upcoming, uh, transformers kingdom line, um, a, a new, uh, gimmick, uh, called fossilizers, which are going to be very similar to weaponizers from the siege line, which is very exciting for folks that are excited about that. Me personally, I am excited for the 1986, studio series figures because much like all of this stuff that I was talking about with regards to the Quintesson pit of judgment, I've been waiting since I was seven, eight years old for actual transformers figures that say somewhere on the packaging transformers, the movie. Now the studio series line is a, a toy line, uh, kind of like a sub line of the Transformers uh, Generations main line where they highlight movie characters. And up until this point, it's been all characters from the live action movies, the Michael Bay movies. And um, I, I don't I don't know if it's next year's 35th anniversary of Transformers, the movie that's that's driving this. It might be the fact that they're running out of characters, though 
fans of that line and fans of those movies would say that there are tens of characters that they haven't gotten to yet that could get studio series uh, figures before we start doing characters from the 1986 movie. The point being is like for the longest time, we even talked about this when uh, Retro Cabal was on my show months ago. We thought we were going to get uh, some more information besides just rumors. Uh, there have been rumors that the studio series line was going to include uh, characters from the 1986 movie. And sure enough, we have seen our first leaks of in hand images. Um, this is. Um, old crotchety Autobot warrior cup as portrayed by Lionel Stander in the movie. And I really like this figure. And this, this kind of gives me what I was imagining in my wildest dreams of what this uh, studio series 1986 line might look like, because I think this is, Outside of a third-party fans toys masterpiece scale uh, figure of Cup, I think this is the character. Or I'm sorry, this is the figure that I've seen look the closest to how he does in the movie. Um, even with like you know the rounded shoulders, rounded arms, and uh, rounded thighs, that's. I mean, a again, he looks almost as if he walked right off the screen. Um, I really like the face sculpt as well. Um, you know, kind of uh, shows off his uh, uh, crotchety old man uh, face, which again, sometimes they get right. Other times they don't. So I also want to show off uh, this guy. This is uh, hot rod. And the thing that folks have been talking about on Twitter uh, since these pictures have been leaked is that his arms are on backwards. Now, depending upon what you think, I, me personally, I've gone nuts with this because ironically enough, his arms being on backwards is more accurate to the movie. And um, the, the thing about Hot Rod in Transformers, the movie is that he transforms like like four or five times, maybe a half dozen times and not a damn one of them is the same one. He's flipping his arms around other times. He's not flipping his arms around. Uh, my point being is that these backwards arms suggest that there's a possibility that to transform this figure, you have to flip his arms around like, uh, like he does in the movie. And as far as I know, there's no hot rod figure that's ever done that before. And that's, um, I think that's pretty cool. And again, it has a very uh, Transformers, the movie inspired likeness. Me personally, I would prefer that the uh, dark red is a little more magenta than it is, but I'm not going to complain because I have several uh, miscolored versions of the movie where he is more red than he is magenta. So um, again, that's, uh, that's a nitpick that it, and it's a hill that I don't want to die on because I don't care that much. And, but the thing I need to see now, now that I've seen some of these figures actually leaked is I, I need to see some packaging. I want to see what the studio series packaging looks like, because if it's like the, um, uh, the Quintesson pit of judgment where it says transformers, the movie on it, um, that's, 
that's going to make me very excited. So um, you've got the character in the box. You've got a representation of um, of the character on the side. Each studio series figure has a number. And then uh, to the right of it, it says what, what movie it's from. In this case, the Soundwave figure is from Dark of the Moon. Now, what I want as a fan more than anything else is for this little um, sign on the right-hand side to have the magenta and orange lettering that says the Transformers, the movie. Now, I'm sure you think I'm insane at this point. Um, all, uh, um, but I don't know. It's, it's my favorite movie, and I like talking about it. And... Um, and yeah, no, I just I, I think this is really cool. So I would I would love to get your thoughts on what you think about um, 1986 movie characters making their way into the studio series line, because there are purists that says, you know what? Get your G1 out of my studio series. You know, you have Siege, you have Earthrise, you have uh, part of Kingdom, you know, um, Transformers, uh, the the Transformers mainline is rotten with G1 characters. I don't want no more G1 characters, which is a valid criticism because we haven't really gotten new characters for quite some time. So, and, and it seems like that in recent years, what the Transformers design team has been doing is just kind of rehashing G1 and kind of doing all those classic characters. For me, Studio Series 1986 is kind of a different animal, no pun intended, in that it gives me um, something that I never thought I would get. And that something I never thought I would get would be actual Transformers action figures that say Transformers the movie on them. And for me, that's um, that that's again, that that is something that's that's kind of um uh special and important and um yeah I, I i'm really excited now before uh before we close out i want to remind folks of our um uh pod decks question of the night is what is your most treasured possession and i will answer the question myself you can answer in the comments uh, later as you watch this video or listen to the podcast my most treasured possession and and it changes from time to time but my uh and i have told this story a number of times so it's not necessarily new but i have the the i i guess crown jewel centerpiece of my transformers toy collection is fortress maximus um i got him in 1987 uh for christmas i thought he was going to be a nintendo and instead i was surprised by uh getting the largest transformer ever which he'll still hold that title until haslab unicron comes out next year um and he is so large and so vast that i still have him to this day he's not quite in mint condition anymore i've lost parts to him but um but he is still imposing and impressive and it's um 
And, and I, I, I really like him. Um, in fact, I, I think, uh, over the next couple months, I'm going to maybe do, uh, do some light restoration, see if I can clean him up a little bit. He's very dusty and, and a lot of the, uh, the plastic has yellowed and discolored and it's, he's, he's fallen into a little bit of disrepair, but even so, um, you know, it's, it's, it's one of my favorite toys and it's one of my favorite things. It, it's one of the things that is most prominently displayed in, uh, in my studio room, uh, in the house. So, um, that's what I'm going to go with. I would love to hear, uh, what you think. And again, uh, that is, um, our pod decks question of the week. Uh, Mike cyber radio is powered by pod decks and don't forget you can use that promo code MSRP 10 at checkout uh, to save 10% off of your first order. And that will wrap things up for this week's episode. Thank you so much for watching and for hanging out. And if you want to listen to my podcast, Mike cyber radio, subscribe on Apple podcasts, Stitcher, Google podcasts, Spotify, tune in or wherever you listen to your podcast and you can check out the full show archive out on soundcloud like share rate and review the show let us know what you like and what you'd like to hear more of in the future uh, mike cybert radio is produced by dave sanders and is powered by poddex for mike cybert radio my name is mike uh no live show next week because i will be recording with rafe telsh uh recording an episode of have not seen this uh, where we will be talking about transformers the movie um look for that uh in the future thanks for hanging out and until next time wear a mask wash your hands and of course make your choices good night you've been listening to the mike cybert radio podcast follow us on facebook twitter and instagram by searching at mike cybert radio Email us at MikeCybertRadio at gmail.com. The spelling on that, of course, is S-E-I-B-E-R-T. Call into the voicemail hotline at 231-224-MIKE. Once again, that's 231-224-6453. Special thanks to Michael Geisler for our theme music. For more like it, check out ByDoorMusic.com. This has been a Mike Seibert Radio Production.